Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and the music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, navigating the wellspring of original music from singer-songwriters and musicians from Long Island, New York. Hi, I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. I hope your expectations for this episode are high, because Andrew Weiss will not disappoint He's been hailed as a singer-songwriter in the tradition of Laurel Canyon, producing a warm haze of chiming guitars and sweet harmonies. Somehow you crossed the artistry of Neil Young, edited the voice of Lucas Nelson of Promise of the Real, you'd find the Americana rock style of Andrew's music. Let's get right into it. Have a listen to Tommy's Teardrops.
few days ago, an email came across my screen introducing today's guests. And lo and behold, a couple days later, here we are ready to digest some new music and an artist with a career on the move up. Andrew Weiss' music is a welcome discovery, and I usually try to wax poetic on my own introductions, but this time I'm going to let the critics speak. Under the Radar in 2020 said, Weiss crafts beautifully tender confessions amidst warm lull of dreamy psych folk. He invites the listener into a warm haze of chiming guitars and sweet harmonies. Americana Highway is stated, Dreamy paradise ruminations characterize Andrew Weiss' songwriting. He has a knack of blending paradise with the endgame. Glide Magazine comments, sly and soulful folk. And early Neil Young, this is where he got me, meets Fleet Foxes and take on indie folk and is one of 2020's most promising artists. Lastly, Andrew Weiss is practically a veteran of a sound he calls Power Papacana melding hooks with that classic Americana. I want to say welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, Andrew Weiss. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was that was like a mouthful. But once I saw Neil Young, I'm like, okay, this guy's cool. Okay. <laughs> well, he could be a total jerk, but as long as he likes Neil Young, he's all right. You got to love Neil. You got to love <laughs> Neil. Got to love Neil. Neil's wacky. and uh, That's you why know, I love him. Yeah, he just... He's probably the freest artist I think I ever grew up with, which is uh, yeah, is 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 great. We can we can do multi episodes if we do a Neil Young special. And that's you true. Back. Yeah, we shouldn't let the conversation go there because we're just going to keep talking about that. <laughs> I know, right? We'll, just go, we'll go off on a tangent, but anyway, exactly. it's really great to have you. I I so this happened kind of quickly because I spoke to uh, your um, public relations guy Frank last like Thursday or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Thankfully, you fit right into the schedule for today, and and I appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. your time. Um, we just heard uh, the song Tommy's Teardrops, which is a great, great song. Uh, I've been digesting your music all day long. I listen to the car when I do my day job, oh, nice. just so I get a taste of stuff. And um, I've got to be honest with you, I really love it. It's just really kind of upbeat. Thanks, it's man. Different. It's it's it's. Uh, I like it. You know, I if I didn't like that. it, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it, but. Tell me a little bit about how did that come about? How did that particular song come about? Yeah, well, that song started with a title. Um, you know, songs can come from anywhere, as many songwriters know. And that one, I don't know, Tommy's Teardrops, I can't remember how I came up with the title, but it lived in a note on my phone for many months. And when we found ourselves with so much time during the quarantine, uh, I was just, you know, exercising the muscle writing every day um Good i deal. ended i ended up with like 93 songs by the end of 2020 which was great um because it gave me so much material to choose from to record this record sunglass and ash um but during that time uh tommy's teardrops was a title that kind of stood out and i knew i wanted to do something with it and i finally had the time to give it a, give it a go and i think i just kind of spent the whole day it, it was it was one full day of of writing um i had the character tommy the character heather it, it kind of became a semi-autobiographical song you know um mm -hmm. i don't want to say it was a similar story to how my wife and i met each other not necessarily but there's echoes of of some of the the little um little stories that ended up in that song but yeah i uh I was really happy with it. 
And at the end of the day, when I thought, okay, I think I have a song here, I called right. my wife into the little studio room I have and uh, played her the song, and she stood up and started clapping at the end of it, which oh, is man. which was like one of the first times that like that reaction was brought out of her in a um, with, with with the song in such an early stage. Like it was just it was just birthed into the world, and it got a standing ovation. So I was like, all right, I think I have something here. <laughs> I, I tell you, I it's I'm married as well, uh, over thirty years. Yeah, nice. And, and Congrats. What kind of floats? Uh, yeah, as my wife would say, the best ten years of her life. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but. There's something special, you know, because your spouse knows everything about you, you know, and and when they give you that um, validation, man, it's just like super special. Oh, you yeah, know? that's that's more important than anything else. Yeah. So I, I was reading up on you and I was jealous because I was like, he wrote his first song at seven years old. I'm like, son of a bitch. What, <laughs> what is it? Are you like a prodigy? Like, where did this, give, give me some foundation so, okay, as far so, as your musicality uh, as, as a kid. Yeah. Well, I kind of have a funny story about my first song. Okay. So I started playing drums when I was about two and a half years old. My parents, oh, come bought, on. Come yeah, on. My, my parents bought me a drum set, bless them. And they let me play drums and I, I, I kind of worshiped the Beatles, um, at that age. Okay. My uncle played me Octopus's Garden when I was two. <laughs> I, I got totally hooked on the Beatles and just digested everything. I would sit in front of the TV and there's, there's home videos that exist where I'm just watching Ringo and just, I literally learned how to play from watching Ringo. Wow. And my parents saw potential, I guess. So they, they got me drum lessons, like, you know, actual drum lessons, uh, when I was five. And, you know, I, I stuck with it for many years and I took, I took drum lessons all the way through high school too. So it was, it was a long time, but during, Mm -hmm. during those years, I eventually learned how to play guitar, piano. Um, my dad played guitar, my uncle played guitar, my mom plays piano. So, you know, there were a lot of musical things happening in the house all the time. And my parents have good taste in music. You know, there's always Elton John or ELO or Def Leppard or the cars, like all those, those cool bands, like were around. So I was always exposed to good music, but around like seven years old, uh, that was when I started, uh, my, my dad showed me a couple of chords on the guitar. And after the first four chords, he says, okay, you're on your own. You could, you could figure it out. You know, let, let, <laughs> right. let me know, let me know if you have any questions, but, but you, you can figure it out from here. Okay. So I figured, okay, like I'll try writing some stuff. And I didn't understand the concept of how songs become songs. I figured, I, I, I'm not even sure what I figured. I just thought that they just existed. So okay. I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching TV one day. I'm seven years old. And Jimi Hendrix plays this song called Purple Haze, which, of course, everybody knows that song. But as a seven-year-old, I'd never heard Jimi Hendrix before. This song sounded really interesting to me. I'm like, oh, cool. So I called up my uncle the next day. And I said, hey, I think I wrote a song. And he said, oh, like, let me hear it. Sing it to me over the phone. And I start singing Purple Haze. As, as if it were my own, because I didn't understand the concept. <laughs> Stealing already at, at seven, seven years old. I know, caught red-handed. And then he goes, he goes, I'm sorry, Andrew. Like I, I, I hate to tell you this, but that's that's a Jimi Hendrix song. And then I understood. Oh, I understand. Somebody wrote this song. I need to write a song on my own. Which, and, and at that point, that was my inspiration. So that sparked me to start writing songs, and I did write uh, many songs. I, I had a songwriting journal. I just write some stuff in when I was seven. I was in some bands in elementary school, middle school, high school, kept writing and just stuck with it. What's amazing about this story, being a parent myself, is you have to have the most wonderful parents who decide to give a two-year-old a (laughs) drum set 
I mean, my parents would be, you want to go bang on seven, take the old pots and pans and go to the neighbor's house. Sure. Because, sure. you know, until you figure out what you want to do with your life. Sure. So uh, what a blessing it is to to have, to be kind of surrounded by that. It's, it's kind of cool. And it's Absolutely. really cool as a seven-year-old. I'll give you my seven-year-old confusion story. My Please. grandmother sold her house in Queens and we're buying a house up in Massachusetts. And I actually, what went through my mind was, how did you find somebody in Massachusetts who's going to buy your house and you're going to buy their house? Like, oh, so that, it was it was like, a swap. That's what I thought. Oh, oh that, that, that's where that's where my 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 confusion. And I uh, see, the, I see. the other thing was, I thought when you see a trail of smoke from a plane, you know, a jet plane. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a skyscraper. Because uh, there's a song in that, and, and you better give me credit if you write it. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's that's not bad. That's not bad. The skyscraper, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so by Very the way, cool. I end up talking about myself a lot during the episode. So, that's you cool. Know, I'm I talking about I'm myself. Gonna... You might as well talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a fer- that's that's great. What a fertile ground. So you grew up in Jericho, you said? Or you were I did. Born in- I, did. In- I, I, was, I was born in uh, Plainview and then moved to Jericho right before I started elementary school. Okay, so we were right down the road from each other. I lived off Hicksville Road. Yeah. Uh, like near Plain Edge. You know, Absolutely. And went, went to school in Bethpage. So it was everything on Long Island. If you don't know, people are listening in Australia. Everything's yeah, right. 20 minutes away. Very at close. 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning when there's no traffic. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sad but true. <laughs> so, um, so, so what also caught my eye in in learning about your background is being a multi-instrumentalist. So you start out as, as a drummer, man, great foundation. You get the timing down, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw one of your videos, you're playing the drums too, right? I think. Yes. In, in yeah. Yeah. The- there, there are a couple of music videos uh, to this day with, with Andrew Weiss and friends that I still will uh, appear in music videos playing drums, but actually on the recordings, like on this particular record, um, uh, a couple of my friends played drums on a few songs, but most of the record is me playing drums. Okay. Yeah, so so you get that foundation, and then when did you when did you branch off into other instruments, and in, in, in what order, I guess? Yeah. Um, well, you had I, the guitar. Right? Yeah, I think guitar was first. I I found out um, my dad played guitar. You know, I knew that growing up, and then all, all of a sudden one day, you know, as you as you do when you're kids, you end up in all these closets in your house. You play hide and seek, and whenever I was in my dad's closet, I I always saw this guitar in the corner of the closet. It was a nineteen. I, I found out later, of course, being a gear addict now. It's yeah. a it's, it's a nineteen seventy six Univox High Flyer. Okay, which of course was made famous by Kurt Cobain. Uh, Johnny Ramone played something similar to that, but uh, that was the guitar that I first learned how to play on. The action was super high because it hadn't been set up since you know the seventies probably. Um, <laughs> but I learned how to play on it, and uh, that was really the spark. Just finding it and thought it looked cool, and of course, you know, being a Beatle fan, it's like. If you play drums, you got to branch out, play guitar, you know? Sure. Um, So yeah, I think guitar was first. And then um, my parents got me piano lessons at one point. You know, we always had a piano in the house because my mom Mm -hmm. played. Um, She still does. And uh, the teacher at one point, I think I I had two rounds of piano lessons. The first time that we tried it, uh, the teacher said, you know, I, I don't know if, if this is right for him, you know, to talk, talking to my mom, I don't know if this is right for him because he seems to want to play to, to make up his own songs rather than, <laughs> rather than just doing it. Follow the instructions. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So my parents were like, okay, like if that's what it is, that's what it is. So then I just kind of taught myself how to play piano. Um, mm. I was lucky to be blessed with a good ear. So I was able to figure out 
chords and things. And my mom would answer questions that I had over the years. Um, so I actually wrote a lot of songs on piano before I really knew technically how to play. Right, right. Uh, but it wasn't until college. Um, I, I majored in music composition and theory uh, at NYU. Mm-hmm. And part of the curriculum was that they made you take four semesters of piano lessons. So that was really what solidified my piano knowledge. It, it, it kind of explained everything that I that I was already doing, but it, it, it gave it a light as um, like, oh, this is why it works, or this is this is how it would work better. So those those piano lessons were really really influential and in just musical growth in general. So a couple couple interesting points. My my friend Steve Martino mm-hmm. went to school for for music. He played with us in the church and stuff. He's just a phenomenal guy, drummer, right? Cool, cool. And then he goes and he goes to school and he goes, yeah, I, I had to learn piano. I was like, what, what do you mean you had to learn piano? Because it's a percussion instrument, mm. and we and we had to learn it. And, right. and that that was you know he's as good as on the drums as he is is uh, the keyboards, and, and cool. it was great. The other thing I thought was kind of cool is because I played on lousy guitars because I would always blame the guitar, but. Um, <laughs> having high action on the guitar or having a difficult instrument to play can actually make you play better. Cause oh, you, of course, you know, you're, you're forcing it down. Absolutely. So, you, yeah. Yeah. You read all these stories about, you know, John Lennon, and George Harrison would play till their fingers bleed. And yeah, that might've been the hours that they spent too, but it was probably just the action was just terrible. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I remember bringing a guitar into Sam Ash and the guy behind the counter was like, this is totally unplayable. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Thank you right, very much. Right, you right. Know? Exactly. So, so what's kind of interesting about your story is, is you, you're like almost, it's like a storybook story. It, you're almost like groomed from the very beginning to say, I can, I can do this. And I've asked that question over the singing songwriters. What made, what made you think, Hey, I can do this. Or, you know, this is what, this is going to be my life. Um, I'll yeah, throw that, at, throw that your way. That's a great question. Um, I think it, it all boils back to the Beatles, really. I mean, they were my favorite. They still are my favorite. Um, I was lucky to even meet Paul McCartney a couple years ago, which was incredible. Um, it was a civilian to civilian interaction, not planned. You know, we met each other on the street. In, All right, in, let's do this. Hold that yeah. thought because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a cliffhanger. Let's take a quick break. Sure. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Sir Paul McCartney, who is turning 80 this year. That's right. Uh, as soon as we come back. Stick with us, everybody. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician who would make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. Well, we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back with Andrew Weiss, and he's got an unbelievable story. Tell me tell me about this chance encounter, civilian <laughs> to civilian. Yeah, well, uh, I met Paul McCartney a couple years ago, which was I'm incredible, as you, as you can imagine. Um, were you, and he, were you stalk, stalking him, or was it? No, no, no not no, at all. Okay. Not at all. Uh, basically, my jazz trio. I, 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 in addition to Andrew Weiss and friends, I do play drums in a jazz trio. And we had a gig out in the Hamptons at a juice bar. Believe it or not, it was this like, you know, upscale restaurant juice. kind of juice bar place. You know, it was it was trendy. It was it was cool. So, uh, you know, we, we played our gig and 
we took a we took a set break and during the set break paul mccartney was on his way somewhere and i noticed him on the street he was just you know walking by himself and i said excuse me paul and he said hey how's it going and we just started talking and it came up that we were musicians we're on our set break we were playing and um we had a nice chat for a couple of minutes and i mentioned i was a fan you know no, no pictures no autographs no no one no one asked it's not that kind of thing we just you know he's he's a, he's a person too so we we had a nice chat for a couple of minutes and he had to uh meet meet someone for lunch and we found out later that was his wife and we were playing our last song the place was kind of emptying out uh mm-hmm. it, they were changing over from lunch to dinner we were finishing up our our set and Paul and his his wife Nancy uh walked in and they actually watched our last song and they were dancing and clapping and it was it oh, was come it was, on. It was wow. lovely yeah it was fantastic and, well, if you uh, don't get high off of that for the rest of your life I don't know what yeah, else exactly exactly so I'm I'm very lucky to have met him and to have had him heard me play which was nice. which is great yeah so so the next time you talk to him okay because you know I'm yeah. sure this will happen again just tell him about the Long Island Sound podcast oh, absolutely. Love that. I mean, he kind of lives on Long Island now in the Hamptons, so I can fit him in, possibly. There, if, there, you know. I, there you go. He's Long Island by transplant. Yeah, I don't want to break the genre, but for him, I might bend the rules a little bit. There so. you go. That 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 is cool. I mean, when uh, and the fact that he actually stopped to talk to you and didn't have security wrestle you to the ground, you know? Was yeah, no, it was um, it was nothing but lovely. Yeah, he's he's a really really genuine nice guy. I have nothing but good things to say. That's great. So you are, we were talking during the break, you are a professional musician. I would put you in that category. This is what you do. Absolutely. Uh, besides lessons and other things and gigs and, and to support yourself. Sure. Tell us, tell us about, uh, I'd like to talk about some of your process. You did say, so I use this term a lot. I got it from Mike Nugent about woodshedding. You know, yeah. These are people yeah, yeah. really, really do their craft. Yeah. And and you had that opportunity that which is I think the silver lining and through this whole covid mess of taking the time to just write and and produce and 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 get stuff out there. So um Yeah. T- yeah tell me a little bit about that and tell me how how the muse kind of hits you. I I don't know if it's consistent inconsistent but I'm curious about your process. Yeah, that's a great question. Um well really uh when I first started writing songs, you kind of just make up songs because that's what people do. Even non-songwriters, quote unquote, um, you know, babies make up songs. Anybody can make up a song. Um, Mm -hmm. They hum a melody, they say random words and you got something, you know, it's not going to be a top 10 hit, but Hey, it's, it's a song. So that's kind of where I figure I started from and you graduate and you start reading, becoming smarter and learning about life and having life experiences and, things happen to you and you decide, Hey, maybe someone else would want to hear about this. Or maybe it's just because I want to write about it just because that's the selfish reason for it. But you hope that other people will benefit from it. And, um, you hope that it'll help them in some way. Uh, and that was kind of my, those were my early songs, um, throughout high school and, and that time period. And then in college, uh, I was lucky enough to go to NYU where, the teachers that I had were were fantastic. And really that was formative because I did have one teacher there who really changed the way that I thought about songwriting. It wasn't necessarily that he changed my, my songs necessarily, but it was the way that I thought about songwriting. Um, things that helped me get the, the first draft better than they were before I started working with him. Because, you know, songwriters go through processes. Sometimes you get it right on the first try. 
I've had those lucky experiences. And other times you, you write a first verse or you write a whole song and you throw it all away and you keep the idea, but you start over again. Mm-hmm. And he definitely helped me get a better first instinct draft. And I wouldn't have thought that you could change that about your songwriting, but you definitely can, or at least with me, it worked, whatever it was. Do you want to say who that was? Uh, yeah, that was uh, Billy Seidman. Um, okay. Yeah. Your professor at NYU. All yes. right, we'll put it. Yes. But I'll interrupt you real quick. So uh, any of the people we mention and stuff like that, uh, for our audience, if you want to get more information, just go to the chapter links and you'll see some wiki links for the different people we talk about and Andrew's uh, website and uh, where his music is posted in the videos and stuff like that. So as you're eyeballing your phone when you're not driving, you'll see uh, some pictures, chains, and some links. So uh, yeah, please go to that if you want some more information. Anyway, just a little plug cool. there. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Billy was Billy was great. Um, he really just changed the way that I thought about songs, and um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about those those uh, those. So lessons. early on in your songwriting, you actually went out of the first person because a lot of let, let's say this is a generalization, but like teenagers will you know being that first person, you know, woe is me, you know, I broke up, I you know, I'm in love, I'm not, I mean, me, me, me. It's a little operetta, um, but you went outside of the first person early on. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the early songs that I wrote, weirdly, were not love songs. They were more comments about society, comments about the world, you know, my own worldviews, friends of mine, things like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in addition to, of course, the normal teenage love songs, I mean, I'm guilty of writing those as well. But yeah, and then I met my wife in, in high school, and then things started to gear more towards that. I mean, my, my first album, uh, with Andrew Weiss and friends, uh, was called the honeymoon suite. And, okay. and really it's, they, they are a collection of, of love songs. Uh, it was nice. right around the time we got engaged. So yeah, you know, that's, that's definitely the subject matter. But I think as far as the muse goes, I do find that certain seasons are more fruitful for me than others in certain years. I'm not really sure why there are years where in the winter, I just write a ton of songs and in the summer I'm a little dry other way, other years, it's, it's, it's the other way around. I can't quite explain it, but I, I think it all comes back to just life experience. You know, some, sometimes in your, in your life, the emotions that you experience make you want to write and other times they don't. Um, and COVID is a great example. I, I remember the first couple of weeks of quarantine, there was nothing that I wanted to write about. I, mm. I didn't even think about it. I barely even played. It was just very depressing, you know, as, as everybody I'm sure, you know, went through, yeah, everything shut down. People were dying. It's just, it was, it was terrible. There was nothing good on the news. Um, it was a really crazy time for the world and, and, um, yeah. And then it it, it wasn't until we were running out of food where, Hmm. uh, I guess on our part of Long Island, the, the numbers were really, really high and they were warning you, don't go, don't even go to the supermarket. You know, you need to, you need to order online. So, so, okay. You know, there was, there was nothing to protect us yet. So we, we tried to order online. There was no times there, you know, you you couldn't get a delivery and it was getting really dire. And I, that was the moment where the muse found me and I wrote this song on the new album called this was a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. And it's really about as society, I think, I, it was a really dark look on society uh, at, a, at a pretty low moment during during quarantine. But I think um, 
that song really opened up the floodgates and the songs just kept coming. And I made a conscious decision. Let me just write something once a day, um, whether that's a whole new song, whether that's a riff idea, whether that's a couple of lyrics, mm-hmm. I need to exercise the muscle. And, and it definitely helped because maybe for every, every five songs, you know, you'd get, you get two, be- two, two, two songs that you don't, uh, end up keeping, but you get three good ones in a row. Right. And, and that, that pattern keeps repeating. And I, I really do think that there's something to, you know, you, if you stay in shape, uh, you, you're just ready for, for anything. Well, you know, it's really, really cool. And I'll, I'll tell you as, as, as a music lover, yeah, what I appreciate and I've just, you know, so I'm doing this podcast since January and I'm meeting really great people like yourself. Some, what I call the wellspring of talent or the cool. long Island sound, you know, and there really is what, what really kind of gets me in a great way is the independent artists, the indie artists who will speak to social justice issues unafraid. I'll say unafraid. Sure. Um, meaning um, they're not a high celebrity that might be offended about, uh, you know, might be worried about offending their audience, that sort of thing. Sure. I was just, I was just thinking about just now, it just popped into my mind, Johnny Cash when he sang in, in Folsom prison. Oh yeah. And, and the one uh, scene in the movie, at least of, uh, Hey, you know, your, 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 your base isn't going to like that. And he goes, well, you know, you basically tell him, well, tough shit on that. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Which, which, which is a great attitude. And what you guys give us is the ability to articulate, artic, articulate. Yeah. That word you saved for me. Articulate. Yeah. That very well. <laughs> uh, uh, some of the thoughts we have, but we, we don't express it well. Sure. And, and I think a song can pull that out and go, that's what I you hear that song. Sure. That's what I mean. That's that's what I mean when I say we got to get together and and this is yeah. what we're all kind of going through and and it's a gift. Yeah, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, for for this album, uh, Sunglass and Ash, that's coming out this Friday. Uh, Friday <laughs> and this Friday. Uh, so this the episode will be out after this. So the album yes. will already be out. Fantastic. So, um, but yeah, but what I was going to say was that this hmm. this this album. Um, I was thinking about it recently that every song on the album is a first person song. So meaning that these are uh, songs that I've experienced firsthand or no friends or family who've experienced these feelings firsthand, but every single song is, is about an event or a feeling or um, something that's just very close to home. And I think that that being the case, I hope that people find the subject matter relatable um, because this was written and recorded during quarantine so all of the feelings that I was having, I'm sure I was not alone in having. So I hope mm-hmm. that it reaches people in a way that makes them feel like they were not alone. Cool. Hey, let's talk about the second song we're going to hear, A Beginner's Guide to Being Famous. Sure. So this pretty cool song. So let's just talk about that a little bit and then we'll let our listeners uh, get a gander of it. Yeah, we'd love to. Um, yeah, this song was actually written really early on. I think I'd actually started this before quarantine um before we even knew about covid and uh mm. f- finished it during so you know this was one of those songs that took took a couple of edits to get to get to the finish point by the way i'm glad you say that because i can't tell you how many hours yeah i did it in like 30 minutes i woke up from a dream and wrote <laughs> the whole thing out and was ready i'm like you son of a bitch yeah well you know i mean i'm, I'm lucky to <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky to say that that has happened to me uh you know a few times as well but this is you know i'm, I'm a believer in letting the song live with you and seeing how it holds up in a couple of weeks or a couple of days. And oh, I see. Yeah. 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 
So anyway, uh, yeah, this song, a beginner, a beginner's guide to being famous, uh, actually came out of my teaching experiences. Um, usually what happens when I'm seeing a new student for the first time, you know, we'll get to know each other. Uh, we'll talk about music. And one of the things that I ask them just to make conversation is, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what, 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 what kind of makes you happy? And a lot of times, uh, around the time that I had the idea for this song, the common answer was usually, I want to be famous. And mm. I'd say, oh, okay, that's, that's really cool. I said, what, what would you want to be famous for? And they'd say, I don't know, like really anything, like as long as I'm famous. And that just kind of struck me as a little concerning coming from five or six year olds mm, that, right. that wanted to be famous seemingly for just the sake of being famous. Um, and then it made me think about, well, you know, maybe the, uh, the news or society is just presenting fame in a way that makes it look irresistible. Oh, or um, reality TV shows. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Of I, I, course. I want to be a Kardashian, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, you know, of course, you and I both know many aspects of fame are, irres- are irresistible. Um, you know, there's there's money, there's notoriety, adulation. Sure. A, a certain freedom that comes with that. Um, but, you know, there's also the downsides of fame as well, which should be talked about. Um, and if you are going to be famous, I think that it should be earned for doing something that you know, is, is, is worth being famous for. Yeah. Admirable. Um, right. For, yeah. Something admirable, uh, not just for fame itself, really. So I kind of wrote the song from that lens. All right. Very good. So let's take a listen to a beginner's guide to being famous. We'll be right back after the song. I refuse to believe that there's another way to go about this. If there's one I'm good for Can you tell me what it is So I can go and get it Maybe I'm too young And maybe that's what I'll always be No one is telling me That this isn't fun So come on and get it It's free I want 
something not worth losing I wanna be famous I want you to know Hey, we're back, everybody, with the great. I'm going to say the great Andrew oh. Weiss because I do like your music, and that, that's a great that. tune. Um, what I'm curious about is: uh, Are you, uh, for lack of a better term, are you a sole practitioner when it comes to writing songs, or do you do some collaboration with other lyricists, or how do you approach how do you approach that? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm one of those musicians who does not like to say no to any opportunities. So whether that be a collaboration writing, whether that be to playing guitar in someone else's group, whether that be to producing someone else's record, I mean, I'm, I'm welcome to all the opportunities that present themselves. Uh, on this particular album, I did not collaborate with anyone. I mean, that's, that's not to say that I wouldn't have if, if COVID had not been a thing. Oh, right. quarantine. I mean, this was all really all written during that time, so it would have been pretty hard to collaborate. But um, I actually, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I did start recording the next record and those do have a couple of collaborative, uh, endeavors song wise, but I'll leave it at that. Now, do you use a particular studio? You've used several different studios. You have a home studio. How do you approach that? So I'd say about 95% of Sunglass and Ash, uh, this, this new record was recorded actually in, um, my home studio. Oh, wow. Great. Which is great. Yeah. Drums, guitars, uh, yeah, really. I mean, there were a couple of, of instances where um, like my keyboard player who I work with, like he laid down a couple of stuff at, at his home studio. Um, I worked with, uh, in addition to me playing the drums, there are two other drummers on this album. So they recorded at their home studios. Um, uh, yeah, some backing vocals were recorded at other studios, but uh, really most of it was was done at my place beyond just a couple of pianos and Things like that. So, what do you, what do you use to lay the tracks down? Do you use Pro Logic or or what what do you use? Uh, a mix of Logic and Pro Tools. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's kind of fun to record at home without the the clock ticking and the money being thrown into oh, that abyss. You know, I mean, uh, I'm 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 lucky to have a, a great relationship with uh, Sabella Studios, which is also on, in in Long Island. I'm not sure if you've if you've heard of that. Not familiar. I haven't been asked to sing on anybody's album ever. <laughs> okay, cool. But well, so, so, yeah, Sabella <laughs> Studios. They're, they're a great studio. Um, yeah, where, are Jim, they, where are they? They are in Roslyn. Okay. Um, yeah, Jim Jim Sabella. He's he's the owner. He's he's great. Um, love him and and uh, the engineer who I work with there, Will Harris. Uh, awesome guy. Great engineer. And he co mixed this album with me and um, and recorded a couple of vocals for me and. Um, and piano and things like that. So it's always great to work there. Nice. Nice. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but one of the guys, you know, I'm listening to your music, I'm digesting it and you have a very unique voice. 
in, in a very good way. And you reminded me so much of Lucas Nelson of Promise of the Real. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. And and a big compliment. It's just you have that same tonal tonal quality, very cool. clear and, and nice. And then we, we found out uh, that we were both at the same uh, Neil Young concert where Promise of the Real played at Jones Beach, which was... Absolutely. Those guys, by the way, just as an offshoot, were... I mean, Neil is energetic. Neil's not a young guy anymore. No, no. But with those guys as his backup band, there was a different energy oh, that yeah. I hadn't seen in decades, to be it honest It was fantastic. With you. It was fantastic. Yeah. And the the thing that was interesting at that show is I remember he did a lot of his new album at the time. I don't remember what which album it was. I can't remember even what year it was. Maybe it was <laughs> 10 years ago at this point. I don't know. Right. Um, but uh, the it, it was great. I mean, I loved every minute of it. And I, I felt... I felt bad because a lot of the audience was actually leaving, you know, maybe halfway into the set because he wasn't playing Cinnamon Girl. He wasn't playing, you know, <laughs> only, only Love a Break. You know, it, it was, uh, it was kind of interesting. But then me and my wife, you know, we, we had decent seats and we said, oh, well, let's just move down. Like people are leaving. So yeah, we, yeah, we, sure. we, had, we ended up on, uh, you know, pretty, pretty close to the front by the end of the show, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Their loss is, is, is our gain. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I do love going to concerts and there were a couple that, I'll give you two ends of the spectrum for me. Yeah. Was uh, when I was a younger man, uh, Jackson Brown running on empty album, right? Sure. Great. Great album. Absolutely. Went to the concert. It was the album. Yeah. And I, and and, and I was just like, Oh yeah. It was just, it was disappointing to, you know, what just because it sounded like the album. It sounded exactly like the album. Bing, 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 bing. There was no, no offshoots and stuff like that. Sure. Sure. And the other concert, which you can talk about, you know, people who walk out on concert, we saw Harry Connick Jr. Huh. And he's known for a certain genre, you yeah. know, uh, when Harry met Sally, that, you know, classical stuff. Sure. And he went in a way different direction. Really? Yeah. Like, I can't even explain what it was. Was He was like, exper- it, it was almost like he was experimenting with the crowd. And people were, and pe- this is at Jones Beach, people yeah. were pissed. People wow. were like, you know, wow, what? what? Right, I paid right. $75 for this damn ticket and I'm going to listen to this shit. You oh know? my God. That's really funny. <laughs> wow. I would not expect him to do that. I, well, I, I bet he didn't do it again. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so, so that's great. So you're very open and you've worked with other people. So you're, I would say you're a sole practitioner as far as your writing, meaning you don't work with a lyricist, uh, for your stuff, I would say. No, I think the, the stuff that I write about is, is pretty personal most of the time. And mm-hmm. it, it, it would feel weird. I mean, not, not that I would be open to it, like, like I said, but it, it would feel weird letting somebody in to that process. And if, if I did let somebody in, which again, like I'm more than happy to, it would have to be for a pretty good reason. Um, right. You know, I'd, I'd have to feel close to them, I think. Yeah, understood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, I noticed uh, on the Spotify, it, you know, you list yourself and friends, which yes. I would assume gives you a lot of uh, f- freedom in that who gets intertwined in the, into that friends group. Or um, yeah. I could be wrong. Is there a steady group, man, this this is my band or yeah, how is it for you? That's a great question. Um, so – when I did, come I think up I'm up with, to five great questions. By the yeah, way, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, when I'm I keep, when I'm I said that, score. no, no, but you mean it, right? <laughs> I do mean it, but, but okay. I I, I right. keep saying that, and I'm like, yeah, you're you're asking great questions. <laughs> I, I mean that. Um, yeah, when I when I started Andrew Weiss and Friends, and I, before it had a name, I was thinking, well, do I just go under Andrew Weiss? Do I have a band? Because I'd, I'd been in bands, and 
you know, I, I wanted this to be a little different where um, I was steering the ship a little bit more than I had in the, in the past. So I, I landed on Andrew Weiss and friends, but not as a cop out, you know, cause you, you, mm. you do see like people play, um, you know, Joe Schmo and friends, you know, a lot of times right. they, they, they list themselves like that and it's a one-off event. You know, they're not really that band. It's just kind of blah, blah, they're not, blah. They're not friends. really friends. <laughs> right. Or that, or that. Um, but, but really like I, I took the and friends to mean like, well, this can't just be anybody, you know, like I, I, I don't want to have it be a cop out where I'm just playing with people just because, um, you know, I, I would like them to be friends or I'd like them to really feel like they understand the music well mm-hmm. enough to contribute, um, parts or just to have the, the, the their level flavor, of, of their flavor and spice. Yeah. To, yeah. To, to lend their own thing to it. Cause like if I ask somebody to play on, on a song or if I ask someone to play on a show with me, um, it's not just because I need a bass player and they're a bass player. It's, I really like the way you play bass and I think you can add something to my music and I think we can make something really cool together. Right. Um, so the, the and friends holds a little bit more weight than it would for the the one off shows where it's Joe Schmo and friends it's 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 not the same thing it's, which which means whoever I can get to play with me that weekend is going to be up on stage with me exactly right right <laughs> yeah ex- right so you know it, this in in this way the Andrew Weiss friends it's more like you know how you have Paul McCartney and Wings and Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers more it, it's it, it's more in the line of of that lineage. Mm-hmm. Now, also, I, I think you've also, besides the music that you've write, you've done some scores for some uh, was television shows or movies. And tell, tell me about that. How did that come? How did that come around? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, going back to NYU, they didn't really pigeonhole you into just writing classical music or just writing music for video games or just you know writing songs. They mm-hmm. really did expose that that program to anything um and after the first two years you kind of found your niche and you you figure out you know what you like what you didn't like and one of the things that i gravitated to in addition to you know arranging for strings arranging for horns and Mm. writing writing songs of course is my is my true love but um the one thing that i i thought was really cool was uh music for advertising um where you do get these prompts you know um where they say, I need it to sound like this. I need it to sound like this. And you need to say this all in 30 seconds or 45 seconds. And you won't, in, in, in those situations, you don't have six weeks to mull over right. how loud the bass is in the mix. It's like, you've got six hours and this is when we need it by. And maybe you'll get the job and maybe you won't, but this is your experience. And right. I thought there was something really cool about that. And just being like, you know, a home studio junkie where I love just being in the studio and recording stuff for fun and making wacky sounds and, um, constructing songs really, um, is, is, is what I love. So yeah, that, that, that whole way of, of making music just really appealed to me too. Right. And then I guess once you get into certain circles and, uh, get some credit, uh, then it kind of opens up a different world for you and, and another exactly. fin- and a financial stream. I mean, I'm sure the residuals aren't great, but there's something, you know, it's exactly. Nice. Yeah. And you know, it opened up some doors. Like I ended up doing music for a podcast, um, during COVID actually, that was one of the other main projects I was working on. In addition to this album, I, it was a, a, a children's podcast, hmm. um, introducing them to how the government works and checks and balances and, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was a nice way of, of doing that. So I wrote the music for that. Uh, 
I did a music for a short film during COVID. So there, there were a couple little projects uh, that were not related to Andrew Weiss and friends, just kind of nice, fun uh, composition stuff. Yeah, I, I came across the same thing when I was putting this podcast together. And and luckily, Mike Nugent is a good friend of mine. I said, you know, I really like the introduction to this particular song. I said, you know, do I have your permission to use it as my intro and outro? And he said, yeah. And and uh, I screwed one thing up. I, 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 I spoke too long and I slowed down the music track. And he's like, uh, wow, wow you, you, you changed it. And, <laughs> and, and then I re-recorded. Re- I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know. It's like putting makeup on a two-year-old baby. You don't do it. You right, know, it's just right, not, right. It's just not right. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's, 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 it's, it's one thing to use it. It's another thing to change it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm but, guilty and I fixed it. That's and, okay. You know, the old that's stuff okay. isn't up there, but he was, he yeah. was generous enough to say, yeah. And you know, I, I put a credit on every episode say, Hey, yeah, this is Mike Nugent's Absolutely. stuff. And, and uh, you never know where it's, where it's going to show up. What I yeah. would like to do, and thanks for sharing all that stuff. Sure. I think you brought yeah. up some, some great pointers. Let's talk about the last song uh, that we're going to do, uh, which is What We've Learned to Live With. Tell me a little bit about that, and then we'll let the audience hear that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that song was actually one of the ones that, you know, we were talking before about the songwriting process. Mm-hmm. This one was written in 15, 20 minutes tops. And it it wasn't one of the ones where... I wrote it and looked back and said, wow, that's great. I'm going to record it. This one, I wrote it and it sat there for a little while and I came back to it and I was like, I think I like this one. This is cool. It, it you know, you, you feel the, the, the passion in it and the, and the, mm-hmm. the spark, at least to me, you know, it, it was worth recording. Um, but the, the subject matter, uh, I had seen the movie once upon a time in Hollywood. Have you, have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm familiar yeah, with it. Yeah. It ended up being one of my favorite movies. Um, you know, it's definitely like on my top five list. Uh, but it, it made me think about the concept of revisionist history, mm. uh, just as a as a way of making art like that. And it made me think about well, when I was in school and I was younger, we didn't really learn about the true story of what happened with Christopher Columbus and yeah, when he coloniz- came here. Colonization and oh, yeah. even, with, even with Tulsa, what happened at Tulsa is is yeah, you know was not spoken about at least when I was in school it was yeah yeah you know? they just left out details where you know look if, if you don't want to mention it to a second grader I understand that but when you're in high school you know you you wish that things yeah, wouldn't be so mature enough to get the full story and, right and the more we know about the flaws and everything else about our country and we we uh revel in 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 the good aspects of it and, and be wary exactly. of it Exactly. Yeah, especially in this day and age to be wary yeah, of. A hundred percent. Yeah. So what ended up uh, happening was I, I wrote this song from a revisionist history standpoint of mm. what if um, the pioneers where, where Columbus would treated them terribly and stole their land and, you know, much, much worse, of course, what if they fought back and um, what if, what if, what if they changed history that way where they prevented that from happening? How would, history of progressed from there. It was just an interesting subject for a song. Um, and of course the, the, the relevance of the quote, what have we learned to live with is just kind of a metaphor for everything that we've <laughs> learned to live with in the past right. five, six years, you know, of just, just crazy. Yeah. Crazy we're, world, we're like know? gun violence is, Oh, another one. Right. You know? Exactly. And, and shame, and exactly. shame on us when we get into that, um, I wouldn't say complacency, but it's just 
Yeah, well, it's it's, it's the way. Yeah, exactly. It's it's be we're we're becoming numb to these terrible things that are happening in the world, and it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not healthy in my in my opinion. Um, and yeah, there there was a part of me that said, well, what if what if something changed, and what if it was it was good, and this revisionist history kind of was attractive to me for this subject matter. So I did write the song from that, and then you know, of course, I break the bubble and in, in the the bridge of the song. I say a man can dream, but life goes on when he opens his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then it's what have we learned to live with? Um, you know, just 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 bringing it back home. Like oh, this is real life, and we gotta we, we gotta deal with it somehow, and we gotta make it work. And um, yeah, cool. All right, let's take a listen to what I've learned to live with, and we'll be right back after the song. Stick with us. We're back with Andrew Weiss. Hey, Andrew, I really appreciate that song because, and I've said this before in, in the podcast, you singer songwriters, particularly indie singer songwriters, are not afraid you're not afraid to tackle social justice issues and bring things to light and make us think a little bit and and point to 
a way that you talk about things that can be easily digest, you know, or not digest, depending on person. Absolutely. Opinion. So tell us about, I want to really talk about the new album that you've got uh, coming out and where you're going to be playing, that sort of thing. And uh, so our vast audience can, can follow Andrew Weiss. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, it's called Sunglass and Ash and it comes out June 24th. So by the time of this airing, it'll be out. So go check it out anywhere digital music is streamed. Um, And it is a double album, which is kind of a lot to digest in 2022, but there's something about it being a double album that um, is really cool to me because it, it it makes you realize like there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world and I've got a lot to say about it. And this is, you know, my manifesto, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's true. Cause it's, it's almost like a blink of an eye. It's, it's two, it was two years, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, uh, Man, it's hard to even think that. Wow, yeah, a lot, a lot of shit came down in two years. Yes, know? yes, it really did. Um, and yeah, uh, like I said, you know, every song on this album is really a first-person experience, and I hope that it reaches people. Um, and yeah, and I'd love to to hear what you guys think about it. Anyone who gives it a listen, please reach out and let me know your favorite song. Oh yeah. Also, just oh, actually, bookend something well for me. We do have a listener line. So uh, anything on any of the artists you hear in any of our episodes, particularly about uh, Andrew's new album, you know, give a call to the listener line at 631-800-3579, uh, You just uh, – it's – no one will pick up. The, you'll hear a short recording and, and leave your message. Let us know if we can share that. But um, sometimes that cone of silence, you can give your true feelings. And, uh, yeah, really I love like, that. Really That's like awesome. to hear. Yeah, hear about uh, what you're listening to because it's it's not what we write or play; it's what you hear <laughs> that's important. Absolutely, know? absolutely. So, um, so you've been you played everywhere from uh, Manhattan to uh, the Hamptons. Uh, where are you going to be uh, this summer? Yeah. So, uh, um, but, but by the time of this airing, um, I've already played an album release show. Uh, the, the album comes out on Friday, June 24th, and we're playing our release show uh, June 25th, Saturday at Rockwood Music Hall. Uh, which will be great. And I figured uh, it's a double album and I decided to do two album release shows, one in Manhattan and one in Long Island. And the idea is that there's going to be no repeats in the set list and every song in the album will be played throughout the two shows. So I'm I'm, I'm really happy about that. And the second show uh, is going to be in Long Island. So it's fitting that I uh, advertise it here. It's going to be on July 30th, which is a Saturday. Okay. And it's going to be in Huntington at a venue called Industry. Oh, and yeah. for anyone who has not been there, it is the coolest venue in Long Island. It's a thrift store, bar, restaurant, hang, just everybody's really cool there. And um, it's going to be a really fun night. So it's July 30th. Uh, it's a Saturday night. And I uh, would love to see anybody there. Right. So you can find those events at... Uh Andrew's website, andrewweissmusic.com. So I've got that right. And you'll Absolutely. also see it on the gigdestiny.com site. We'll share it there as well. And you'll see it in the chapter marks. Um, hey, you know what? I really, Andrew, it was really a pleasure to meet you and, and get to listen to your music. Uh, I really want to digest it more because, you know, doing it one uh, one day is, is does not do you justice. So oh, it'll thanks. be on my, on my Spotify playlist uh, as, as awesome. I listen to you. And one of the things, you know, learn from COVID, I end up my shows this way. Um, and, uh, 
you know, we can account for what we have in our, our bank accounts, what we owned and, and people around us. We can never account for the time we have left on this earth. So the fact that you gave me a, an hour of your time tonight, that you shared your art with me and your honest conversation and gave us some great hints and tricks and stuff about the industry. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, man. Well, thanks for having me. It means a lot that you're one of the good guys who listens. So that is <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> Cool. I l- I'd love to have you back. Uh, yeah. I know you're going to be woodshedding it and, and producing a lot more music. So remember this old 60-year-old guy when you make it <laughs> big and famous and, you know, out there. And uh, really love to have you back. All right. Yeah, we'd love to be back. Thanks so much. All right. Be well. Peace, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.